You're listening to Mind of the Alpha, raw, unedited, and straight from the wolf's mouth. Hey, everybody, it's Bobby and Gio, and we are back in the den with uh, Patricia or Trisha um, DeGennaro. I got that right, didn't I, Trisha? Got it right. Awesome. Okay. Sometimes I hack them, you know what I mean? So, um, so uh, Trisha is a senior um, fellow and project lead for the Balkans Next Resource Initiative, and she's been on various uh, media outlets like CNN. Um, I think you've been on NPR and, and, and several other sources. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, so tell me, I mean, what, what exactly, what is your specialty and what, what, you know, what are you, uh, what are you doing? Wow, that's a long story. <laughs> well, or, over the, you know, I mean, we've all heard this thing. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that my my interest has always been U.S. foreign policy, and I've focused most of my career on that from day one, whether it be diplomatic, um, working for U, the U.S. Agency for International Development, or right now, and for the past God, almost fifteen plus years, I've been consulting and advising. Um, on military affairs um but we all heard this little thing called 9-11 that happened in in new york mm-hmm. city where i lived and resided at the time um, and after that i think the need for experts in different regions um exponentially increased not that i ever consider myself an expert because i think that there's always learning and you know it's always very, very difficult to get to know another person, let alone another culture and a way of of life in a different country. Mm -hmm. But I have spent a lot of my work on the Middle East, and therefore, uh, I was kind of a go-to. You know, they needed somebody to talk about the Middle East and the culture there. In addition to that, I had taken a four-month trip with um, the U.S. Agency for International Development, at the beginning of the events in Af- or the uh, the events in Afghanistan, basically, and um, since have learned so much about Afghan people and and the country that I, you know, was ended up teaching you know military leaders and people that were getting deployed there, both in on the intelligence field and the military field. Uh, much about the culture and situation there, which we had to learn pretty much on the fly. Um, Right now, (laughs) I have moved myself to the Balkans. I was actually a Peace Corps volunteer in the Balkans in Albania for uh, four years. And I've done various projects in in the region, including Kosovo, Macedonia, and hopefully soon Romania. So um, I am leading a project there for the special operations forces to kind of forge better alliances and align uh, country interests so we have stronger um, security apparatus in the field. Awesome. Okay. So it, it sounds like you're pretty. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Guys, we're always telling you, you got to talk to someone when you're not feeling yourself and you're having a rough time with your mental health. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. I myself go through seasonal depression, and sometimes I just don't want to leave the house or, or leave the room, even for that matter. 
That is where BetterHelp's coming in. You can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or hell, even a video call. All from the comfort of your own home. If your therapist isn't the right fit for you for any reason at any time, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, gives you more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable rate. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com alpha. That's BetterHelp.com slash A-L-P-H-A. Pretty well rehearsed in uh, in foreign affairs. Um, so I, I bet you're pretty uh, pretty busy right now as far as you know everything that's going on with the um, you know with the Russian conflict, Ukraine conflict, and that sort of thing. I know that you know your focus is mainly the Middle East and the Balkans, and and you said Romania. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on on the the current state of of international affairs with uh, Russia and China? Well, it's, it's worrisome and it's worrisome on, on, in two different ways. And, you know, they're very different countries and uh, very different situations. Um, I think we, we have unfortunately have a very tough, you know, hegemonic posture, um, with both countries at the moment. Um, how it got to this point is, is I think that we've we've lost a lot of our diplomacy and our diplomatic capabilities. And we've relied so much on our military that things have heightened in that areas. Um, we have such a great economic relationship and have for years with China. I would hate to see that get exacerbated by the situation um, in Ukraine. And on the other hand, with Russia, um, I mean, as as you kind of mentioned, it's a very tough situation because you do have an aggressive power right now that's really trying, well, obviously invaded an, uh, another sovereign nation. Um, and so we're in a pretty precarious situation where you have two very large military powers with a lot of very dangerous weapons um, kind of on the brink of making the situation worse. And part of the work that I'm doing is really to, to see, um, you know, how far that Russian influence is going and would they in fact, you know, take it to another step and into another country and how can we work to deter that? Do you think that, cause I, I don't think that they're going to stop with Ukraine. I think that's just the beginning. I mean, um, do you think that there's a pot, you know, what's going to happen there as far as, uh, cause, cause let's, let's look at who, um, Vladimir Putin is, right? This guy, he's obviously, um, portrayed as a narcissist and has narcissistic tendencies. Right. And, um, I, I just don't think that he's going to be the type of person that's just going to give up. And, and even, even it comes to like a, a full blown, uh, nuclear warfare or something like that. I just don't, I don't see him succeeding or, or or losing and allowing himself to lose well like i'm not a psychologist so i can't say whether or not he's a full narcissist or, or any of that but i can say as a foreign policy analyst and just somebody who's watched events over you know several decades now um 
leaders leaders act in a the interest of their country we know that already and b um in the interest of their own survival so i would wager for some reason or another putin has made these decisions based on the interest of his country and the interest of his own survival and i think it scared him um to a great extent that NATO was expanding closer to his borders. Now, whether or not this was the right move, and my, from as an analyst perspective, I would never have advised him to invade uh, countries like this um, or, or parts of Ukraine like this. Uh, but again, I think what's happened here is that we've lost a lot of our diplomatic capabilities where we could have engaged in different ways and on different levels to have a different type of outcome. I'm not sure Putin will go any farther. I think it's going to depend a lot on the global alliance that we have right now with Europe. And it's also going to depend on, on comprehensive international pressure that continues to be put on the country. But we're seeing a lot of competitive moves from a lot of powers globally and including Ukraine. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's trying to get back, let Putin save a little face and then stop the conflict before, as you mentioned, it might go farther. But, but do you feel like he's capable of doing that? Because he doesn't seem, I mean, from, from what I've seen in interviews, I've seen with like CIA analysts and, and various other, you know, psychologists that work for the government, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to be like, "Hey, I'm going to save face." He's just going to go, "What it do?" You know, yeah, with, he's with, a, he's with lack of down. yeah, lack of better words, he's going to go balls to the wall and try to do what he's got to do, and that's well, that's scary. It it is frightening, and I think what's more frightening is that we're in a lot of proxy, different proxy war or proxy conflicts with Russia, including in Syria, and that area. And I think that you know that that compounds this problem and this issue. I, I don't think any leader is for global annihilation. I mean, people usually want to survive, and when they're they're smart enough to know if they really get in a nuclear type of conflict, it's going to, it's going to be pretty nasty. Um, we, we were the first country that used nuclear weapons. We saw the capabilities of them and those were at a different stage than they are now. Um, I, again, I'm not an expert on the, you know, the, the extent of, of nuclear capabilities in either country, but we both know we have nuclear weapons and that's no secret. So I just, I think it'll be, I, I think that people do want to survive first before they make decisions to go through an all out war. And we saw this during, you know, the Cuban missile crisis when, both Russia and the you know U.S. leaders at that time came to very closely you know getting in a nuclear war, and I, I think we have things in place that can help us really find other ways that that will prevent that from happening. And right. again, I don't think I don't think Vladimir Putin or you know Joe Biden or you know, Xi Jinping or any of these leaders really 
want to annihilate themselves and they know, you know, the extent of going to war like that. So I think they're going to work to find a different capability. Now, is that making the U.S. weaker? That is probably one of their objectives and, and strategies. And so we have to be very careful about that in our own home and make sure that we're getting along. <laughs> we're doing policy right. and thinking about it correctly, and we're not fighting internally. So we don't do exactly what our our main adversaries would like to see, which is weaken our own country. Well, was to my knowledge, America's already in the pretty bad situation as far like as them making the BRICS alliance, like all of those countries coming together to create their own like money basically to get rid of the US dollar. Like that's yeah, then they just sign then they just sign Russia and China agreed to uh the earmark will no longer be the US dollar. Yeah. That they purchase like oil and things like that. And it's gonna be the Chinese um whatever their currency Yuan and China. But I think they want it to be backed by gold again. That they want it to go back to the gold standard. Like yeah, there's been. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah. I mean, you guys are right on there. There's been talk about that for several years now. I mean, one of the biggest talks um, in regard to that came after the U.S. pulled out of the the you know JCPOA, which is the Joint Comprehensive um, Agreement with Iran. So uh, even Europe was trying to find another way to help maintain that agreement without using U.S. dollars. Right. But the the basic truth is that the, a lot of reasons the Iranian agreement and other things like this are very difficult to implement is because the U.S. does control the banking system and the financial world system. So it's very hard to work around the United States and destroy such a comprehensive global financial system that's in place. Yes, they can try and they can probably do things on a small scale, but when it comes to larger um, undercutting or dismissing the dollar, that's going to be globally very difficult for um, nations to do at a very, you know, really hurtful level to us. You, do you think though? I think right now is the best time for them to try. Though, I mean, it, it. I I don't know how you feel about our current administration or anything like that, and and that's neither here nor there. But I think we can both, and we can everyone can agree that our our government and our country um, is looks the weakest it's been in a very long time. That's probably true. And yeah, and we, that's because we we're bickering. That, and, right. and, you know, we're becoming ideological. And I would agree. Like, I don't like to be I I am a political analyst, you know, and a foreign policy advisor. And for me, it's about it's about doing the right things to make America stronger. Right. Mm -hmm. And certain things that are happening right now, like book banning and this whole stupid discussion about, I don't even know what woke is, but um, <laughs> like I, I've woken, I've woken up, so right. And I, look, I, you know, I, I'm a person for justice, right. I think that justice is a very important concept. And I think, Every American should be treated the same and all of that stuff. But we are fighting over things that actually 
we were we were fighting to stop during the Cold War. Now mm-hmm. we're fighting about books, we're fighting about whether or not people could have birth control, we're fighting about this thing called woke, which is ridiculous because it's really about justice and equality, right? So I mean we have to think about things these things no matter what administration is in power. And if we don't figure out a way to make every American and I feel like they are part of this country and part of this society and have a contribution to it, we are going to get weaker. And that will be at our detriment. I mean, people don't talk these days because of, I don't know, some some stuff, and I, which I find very difficult because if you don't talk, if you don't compromise, which has become a bad word, right? You can't change anything or manage change or manage things that need to be make make made better yeah so like how you said we, compromise has kind of become like a negatively connotated word when mm-hmm. it's really not it's like it's no. concessions from both sides for the greater good of all you know what i mean like correct and that's it's like, not a weakness to compromise it doesn't mean you did anything bad it doesn't mean they did anything bad it means you both came to the table understanding that everybody's not going to get everything that they want and that there's going to have to be some concessions so that we can all move forward peacefully together. Well, that, that's the yeah. crazy thing, too, is because now you can't even have that discussion because of censorship. You know what I mean? So they're like somebody so and quick. Cancel culture. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Somebody so quick to just cancel you or censor you instead right. of having a conversation about what we can do to make it better. I think that political, politically, we've been at war for a long time. Um, and and. One of the biggest things I think, and if you look at it, do you, I see these other countries and they may be causing some of this internal conflict themselves. Some of the conflict here that we're, they're yes. trying to provoke the conflict here in yes. our country or doing mm-hmm. strategic influence. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that they are absolutely because the more that we're, it's like, it's, it's the old ad- adage, right? About divide and conquer. Right. So if you divide people, you find the fissure, fissures between them and you're able to poke at those to make people more emotional. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as people become more emotional, um, the divisiveness blooms right the fire starts because all all of a sudden all of my beliefs are challenged or all of it but you know and we we have to learn or we have to think more about saying okay whoa (laughs) i you know this is not about me this is about a situation within the context of society culture and a, a country and i mean if we we as americans want to become weaker Right. We can continue to be bickering and fighting about ideological issues that should mostly be personal or or right or or thought of as making society and civic duty. Your civic duty is to make the world and your communities better. It's not to keep people down. And so if we start talking about these concepts differently, um hopefully people will start realizing that it's the whole that needs to be together because if you divide you know russia russia china whoever you know whoever iran north korea they have all of this um ammunition to make us 
bicker. And, you know, we, we, there are fights on streets here in Tampa sometimes just about stupid stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. License plates, free countries, free states. I'm like, this is America, right? Isn't it all supposed to be free? Isn't that what we've been fighting for the Cold War for all those years? Right. This doesn't make sense to me. And, And to be honest with you, I mean, if you look at this whole, um, the, the whole idea with them banning TikTok. Are you familiar with the app, the uh, social media app TikTok? Yeah, I try to stay off social media, but yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> other yeah. Than, other me, than like Twitter, but it's hard for me, you know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it's hard for us too because I mean, obviously, we got to be able to put our content out somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. But, right. But it, so the thing with uh, TikTok right now is 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 obviously it's a Chinese owned company, and. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have some conflict with China, right? And and there are some um, conflicts of interest there where they're collecting information on on American citizens and control. And the, I think the premise behind it is is they think that they're um, controlling what Americans see. Now, I have the the what I'm seeing though is that I believe that TikTok. That one of the reasons why our country and our government is trying to get rid of it is is a couple reasons. Number one. The social media giants here, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, Twitter, I, I don't know, even know about Twitter, but um, Facebook, Instagram are lobbying the, the government to shut it down because they're losing massive amounts of money to TikTok. But then also, if you look at TikTok, there's a lot of independent news on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I think it's huge. You can't censor independent news anymore because I, I don't care who you are. You can see that. Fox News, CNN, all these major media outlets, they are corporately owned. They are controlled by, you know, various different pharmaceutical companies or, you know, their ad sponsors, that sort of thing. So I, it's scary to me that they can even try to get rid of something that seems to be the one of the only resources for independent news these days. It's like we were talking about censorship. It's like they're trying to censor information, like literally like just trying to cancel outlets that are giving people real true information it's like bobby mentioned like cnn and fox news like there's been reports where it's been verbatim word for word the same report on across all media Mm -hmm. like all news outlets and it's just like you're you're different news outlets but you're literally reporting the exact same stories Mm -hmm. it's like so where does that come from it's like how do we how do we know we're getting real news when it's all the same thing you got the same exact person writing the same news stories for every news outlet well i think i think one of the biggest issues in in that case geo is that the we allow okay so like uh if you look at i think it's 75 percent of paid ads on television or from pharmaceutical companies um and we're one of two <laughs> countries that still allow advertisement of medicines and things like that on our on our um tv you know or or whatever communication system um so these these companies are telling them hey you know if you don't if you don't if you don't follow our agenda we're going to pull your our sponsorship and our and and your ad you know your ad dollars and you're going to sink like but you're not it's just going to make people stop buying your they will sink because if you if cnn for instance cnn they've lost I, I want to say they've lost like 33% of their viewership since Donald Trump left office. And the reason being is because that's all they talked about before was Donald Trump, right? 
And but so if they lose that viewership and then they lose the ad dollars, they're going to lose their business. Yeah, but they're losing viewership also because people are starting to get wind that it's not necessarily always right. real news. Right. <laughs> so what? What? Well, are your- it's a, you know it's unfortunate, right? This is this goes back to what we were talking about a bit earlier, right? What's happened in the country, this country progressively? It didn't start yesterday. It's you know, it started probably before we were born, which I'm pretty old, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you're probably not much older. Than it, you know, <laughs> it, it it is the power of the dollar, and it's something that it, you know. I mean, in Eastern Europe and in the Soviet Union, when it existed, all of this content was controlled by someone, right? In their case, it was controlled by the central. Uh, you know, the central government in in Russia, basically, right? So here we have our contacts controlled by corporations. And, you know, and I think what you're saying about medicine is it's extremely important, right? Because we want a healthy society so they can think, <laughs> so they right. can do things. And if we have people that are on medication all the time because they saw some advertisement on television you know i I think we're doing a disservice to raising healthy contributing individuals that need need to i mean you know it's like it's like that that reset button with with, uh what was what was the reset button everybody wants a, a reset button right they want you know they want their cholesterol fix they want their high blood pressure fix they want this fix they want that fix but the reality is that that's not going to work unless you start to help yourself get healthy and the same thing holds true for your brain right if you sit and watch somebody telling you things that you like to hear all day long or you know that are trying that are trying to control your mind you're going to start believing it and then you're not going to see anything else. So my my response always for news is, okay, I heard the story. Now let me go do my homework. Thank and you. It's not get- Thank you. And you know what, Patricia, we were just talking about this Literally. while we were waiting um, to start. <laughs> we were talking about how, because Gio made a comment that the American people are stupid um, when it comes to news and things like that. And I was like, I don't think they're stupid. I think they're ignorant. Yeah. And the, the problem is, is that they right. see a headline. Okay. And they're so busy with their current life, their Monday, everyday mundane life. They're busy with their families. They're busy cooking dinner, working on their job or whatever it is. They're too busy to take time and actually read what that headline means in the story. Like that's why you see, that's why Facebook, like for instance, when you click on an ad, if you, or if they, they have an article up now and you hit share before you read it, they'll be like, are you sure you want to share this before you read it? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's because that's because the majority of people are sharing information and they're not right. even researching or, or, or reading about it. It's like you can't just take right. this value anymore. It's like you have to do your due diligence. Like you read the headline and then you need to read the article and then you need to like kind of dive into the Internet a little bit and research it a little bit more. So, you know, what what is being said to you and how valid mm-hmm. that information actually is. Because it's like right. understanding the context of the headline. Everybody's got an agenda as to why right. they're trying to get that information to you one way or the other. So it's like it's like you hear something bad about this person A, mm-hmm. but 
is this per is this information completely valid or is it just being said about person a because person b wants people to think a certain way about person a you know what i mean like yeah you ought to make yeah, you have to dig and you have to you know one of my big pet peeves is that and you know you can pick your politicians or not but one of my big pet peeves is like how many why are you not reading get a book, <laughs> get some <laughs> books, read some books, you know, this is, and you know, for me, like banning books, I'm, this scares me because I'm like, re, this is now, now you're telling me a country that, you know, go to the library, get some books, <laughs> you know, a country who has, has always advocated for, for freedom of knowledge and, and, you know, the ability to, to have these books and be able to think for yourself a little bit. And now we've, we've almost canceled that, right? It's well, not sadly, cool to read anymore. It's now it's, <laughs> yeah. Now you're not allowed to access your own information. You're only allowed the information that's given to you. Like, well, well, sadly, right? I don't think it's going to get better. I think it's going to get worse, especially with, with, uh, and, and I'm a huge fan of technology and, and, and moving forward with technology. But I think AI is going to cause an issue for people because you're not going to be able to discern between an expert and someone that like me and you. You know what I mean? I'm not an expert on politics, but I can use AI and I can make you think that I'm an expert on politics. That's scary. It it's frightening, and it and I think it goes back to responsibility, right? And we have to be responsible citizens and civil is, you know, our civics, it goes back to your civics courses. What does it mean to be a responsible person in your community and society? And I think we've lost sight of that. You know, it's, it's kind of, we've, it, it's always been a plus to be an individual in America, but it's become, it's come to a point where it's all about me now. And, and I'll put that in quotes, you know, it's all about me. Well, no, you know what? It's not all about you because if, you know, if I don't take care of my house, your house, you know, gets devalued. If I don't take care of myself, your health can get devalued. If I, you know, so, and people just aren't looking at things at a greater whole. It's all about, well, you know, it's not my backyard. I can have what I want, you know, and, you know, it's not my problem. And, you know, global warming is your problem. The, the <laughs> yeah. war in Ukraine is, is your problem when wheat is not getting on your table or bread prices are going up, right? And I don't think putting those connections together is stops happening if you put yourself in that. So, so, you know, social media is supposed to be a way to get people together and make sure they can keep track of people, share fun things. And it's become like this jealousy thing and, and putting people in a bubble of, of what they want to hear. And if we're going to do that all the time, we're not going to be able to put these pieces of the puzzle together. So when the AI comes on, it doesn't have to be that scary if you understand the dynamics of how how it's being used or how it could be used or how you know you 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 can intellectually think beyond like oh my god i'm so scared no because it, ai can do good things for us right it can I allow us to actually it's it, the concept of ai is 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 a good thing the concept is but, but what, with the current state of what the it's way it's actually going to be used for initially, like 
it's just got too much negative implication of what it can. Well, I always say the concept of a nuclear bomb seems to be a good idea too. <laughs> right. You didn't want to we're sitting on those, so I don't know. regrets building it. You no, know. 100%. So now I become deaf, destroyer of worlds. Like, no, like, yeah. like I don't know. I've, I just said this, like, but the nuclear bomb, it's like of all the things that nuclear technology and just the energy that that can create could be used for. It's like, why build a bomb? Right. Well, isn't nuclear power cleaner than, than coal? I mean, from what I understand, it's, it's cleaner. Why don't we not have it is. What's that? It it is, but I, you know, why why do we not have more, more of that? Why, why are we not putting our infrastructure into nuclear power? Why are they still doing coal? It is bombs. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's well. This goes. This goes. This goes back to understanding how to engage and work with other people, right? So you know, we talked about the. In in my mind, I'm more scared of our Congress right now because they are supposed to be managing federally, you know, better future for us, (laughs) and they're bickering about stuff that is just you know. Is not is not. It's first of all, a lot of it's none of their business, and first of all, a lot of it is just things that they're wasting their time on. When you know, yes, they should be not listening to to oil lobbies. They should be doing more research into is nuclear power safer, and what's that going to do for a better future, and how is that going to allow us to not to not be, um, you know, dependent on. On someone or another, but but they, you know, it's all become again this me culture. How much money can I make? How much lobbying money can I get? Lobbying should How? be illegal. Period. <laughs> they, they should do away with lobbying. I think. I think that that's that, corruption, right? Exactly. That's that's a that's a, a, a it's the foundation of corruption. In right the fact that our Congress they don't have term limits. I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. also have. Uh, and, and a lot of our, our congressmen and women are 70, you know, 80, 60, 70, 80 like years from, old. That grew up in different times. That grew up in a, exactly. Yeah. Not, they're not really open to new and improved ideas. They're, they're, they want the same old mundane bullshit. It's like they want to keep running it the way, the, like, did it work back then? But it's like the way that it worked back then, the world was in a different state. Like now everything's yeah. Like, you have to adapt with the times, like exactly. Do you, so, do you think that our what? What are your thoughts on our current administration? I mean, or what? I mean, honestly, do you think that it's been good for the image of of the United States to the rest of the world? I actually, I, I do, and because I'm seeing this firsthand, um, the Biden administration in particular. I'll just back up a little bit. We we also saw a lot of what happened in the last administration and the relationship with our, our NATO partners and allies. Um, and there were a lot of fissures that happened there. And there was a lot of dis, dis, mistrust, distrust um, that happened with that. Um, they were starting to move farther away from 
the closeness of the relationship with the U.S. They were trying to, and I mean, we talked about this, trying to find different ways to implement their own foreign policy and specifically with the Iranian agreement that we pulled out of after we spent such a long time trying to put together, which I believe we should have kept. Now, could it have changed? Probably, yes, because that's the way life is. You start at point A and you try to get to C or D, um, and we had control over the money. So saying that we didn't have control over that agreement was a little misguided. So I, I, I also think you have to give to get. And if you don't give to some changes in world and world relationships, you don't get anything back there by a country that's still trying to build a nuclear weapon, right? So I think this is what's happened in this administration, and this was kind of a gift to Putin, from Putin, you can say, is that our alliances have, um, have come together, uh, much greater and they are much stronger now than they have been ab- absolutely reinvigorated. And within that context, I complain about diplomacy a lot. Within that context, I think our diplomatic strength is starting also to increase. And I think that's vital for this country. It's vital for the future. Um, cause of some of the things you said earlier about, you know, possibilities of using nuclear weapons. That is not what we want. We, we kind of want to survive. So, and they also understand global dynamics better. I, I'm going to say one thing though, that if you look historically at every administration, you will find that most policies are not very different. Sometimes they're a little more extreme than others. They may want to go towards military solutions versus more diplomatic. Okay, they hover in between. But American foreign policy really has not changed since the early days of this country. Um, Neither has domestic that much because we have put in a systemic way of dealing things. And when you do that, it's very difficult to move that aircraft carrier, right, with a tugboat. And this is what we have to do as a society. And if we're divided, it's even harder, right? Right. I hate the fact, though, that that uh, different administrations, they what they should be doing is building upon each other, right? So if you have, like, Biden's in office for four years, he puts policies in place, but then there's obviously loopholes that they, you know, Congress can find out or, or or whoever it is, they can figure out. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to put a policy in place that stops that loophole from happening, right? So the next administration, but they're so busy arguing, they're so busy right. clashing with each other, it, it mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. Like should they? I, I just don't. Should we even still it, have the two party system? <laughs> Probably not. We should probably change the parliamentarian system and done it a long time ago. But changing that is going to be, that has to, you know, there's a whole constitutional process that for that to have to happen. And, you know, when people get power, they don't want to lose it. So you're, you're asking so many politicians that have been in in office for 70 years. And Nancy Pelosi. Um, but it, you know, what's crazy to me too, is a, like, you think about what, what, do you, what, how do you get away from that though? 
Like well, what, you know, the, how do you, the, how do you biggest, get away? How do you change it? Well, I, you know, I mean, the big, the way things have always changed is by people, right? Um, so there, I think two things are happening in the United States. And one is complacency, which has been a problem, I think, for a very long time. You know, I got interested in politics and I couldn't re- imagine why no one was interested in politics. People used to say to me, don't, you know, oh, what do you want to do that for? Like, why are you interested in that? And I'm like, because this affects your everyday life. Don't you understand that? And I mean, most, I think most people do understand that, but they don't understand. They, some, sometimes they don't understand exactly how the government works and they don't understand the power that they can have to help change that. But do you so that's think one that's thing because, do you think that though that's because the American people have lost trust in the government and they so they may like my thoughts are is and what I always thought with voting and that sort of thing is like that I actually had a voice, you know what I mean, and I can actually make change by who I vote for, but why do we have an electoral college? You know what I mean? Because if, if right. Donald Trump can win the presidency, and I'm a, and I'm, and everybody that knows me knows I'm a Donald Trump fan. Okay, it, it, so, but, but if, if bless your heart, Trump, <laughs> right? But and, and I'll explain to you. I'll explain a little bit more about that. So I, I, I voted for Donald Trump because he was not a politician, and that's why. Because I thought we needed a huge change. Now I saw you. You know, I, I know what you, you're, you're thinking. He is a politician behind the scenes, right? But he wasn't a stand-up politician. So I was like, maybe we need to change to get someone different. Will I vote for Donald Trump again? No, because I don't think he's good for our country. But what I think is, is that when you have someone like Donald Trump that wins the presidency, even though he didn't win the popular vote, do you really have a say-so? Do we really, does the American people really have a say-so? And I think that a lot of people... They lost trust in that process. And the reason they lost trust in that process is because of things like that. You see what I'm saying? Like, do, but that's just with the president. And at the end of the day, the president just signs the laws. But, but if you think about the president, like, but if you think about the president, that is levels of government, like your representatives, your senators, right. But if like you think the about people the, who actually make the laws, who actually like, you know what I'm saying? Get shit done. Like the, but people don't know that because people look at the United States president and they're like, that's the most powerful person in the entire world. But he doesn't because, make the Because, Trisha, you just said it a few minutes ago. They don't understand how government works and they don't, they don't understand right. it. All they, we're talking about everyday people that don't understand politics. They don't understand how the government works. So they don't that's understand right. the president probably doesn't have as much power as you really think he does. But if they're looking at that like, hey, this is the most powerful position in the entire world. And I can't control it with my vote. Then what's the point? Well, that's the way the founders made it, right? They made they made this pillar of power, um, and I think what's happened over the years because of corruption, right? One party is continuing trying to vie for power, um, and and that doesn't do us any good as citizens. We need collective power for the good of the people, what happened to for the people, by the people, you know. And I, you know, we've really lost sight of that. But your your vote matters most on local and state levels. So you should always vote on local and state levels because that's where you're able to make the biggest difference. Um on a federal level, your vote also matters um to get 
the electoral college members to have the majority in in the electoral college. Now, I agree with you. In my humble opinion, I think it's time for a change in the electoral college because the the reason it was put into place no longer exists. So it was put into place because the majority of populations lived on the east and west coast and were were the, so the people, you know, in the as we say the middle states, right, were not represented properly because they right. had lower populations. That that now this is no to, longer true. <laughs> that all goes so, back to we're not changing with the times. We, we're living in times correct. that, like you said earlier, Gio. Like I, I don't I don't know if you follow um, Joe Rogan, but he does his stand up comedy routine, and in one of his things is is do you think that Thomas Jefferson, if we brought him back today, would be like? You dumbasses, you haven't changed anything. <laughs> yep. I, I don't want to ruin his joke, but I he know. says, I signed this with a feather pen in a, by fucking fire. You, you know what I mean? So it, it's crazy. We got to change. They have to. Yes. Have to I, know, I agree. I think, you know, the Constitution was written a long time ago, and we need really thoughtful people to think about, you know, leading leading it to, to today and what we need today. And, you know, it's 200 plus years old, for God's sakes, you know, come on. It's the same thing. It's like, well, you know, people, you know, 20 years ago, we were smoking in hospitals. We don't do that anymore. We changed exactly. that, right? So, exactly. and, I mean, you used to reason. get in a tube, you used to get in a tube and fly, and I smoke cigarettes, but I'm I'm conscientious typically around people, not Geo so much because we're in here, but, <laughs> but um, you used to get in a tube and be able to smoke in that tube with people that didn't smoke in an airplane. You know what I mean? Is yeah. that, you really think that that makes sense? You, no. you see what I'm saying? So like they changed the law. So you got, they got to change this shit. It's like the, right. foundation, the foundation is what you want to keep, but it's like all of the, I don't want to say little things, but like all of the things that can be tweaked to fit the times should be, you know what I mean? It's like, you shouldn't, live by a law that was written hundreds of years like that's ridiculous right well and i i think a lot of these little things that that have been the same issues over the years which again i'll go back to nobody's business you know we can talk about abortion we can i mean you know this idea of banning books this this to me is a little like can you guys all look over here yeah well i'm not really familiar with with all that was so what what so I, I, I don't, you know, kind of refresh me on this. What, what is going on with the banning of the books? Cause I haven't seen, a, I guess I just missed it. Cause I haven't seen a whole lot of this. Well, Ron DeSantis put legisl- legislation through here in Florida where he has prohibited um, certain teachings about the history of America. And it's mostly really? in, it mostly is in reference to race, you know, to talking about the history of, slavery the history of injustice the history of injustice not only to indigenous people but also to african americans so he's saying so, he's banning books so they talk. can't talk about it why what why would you not want that talk like what what's the agenda behind that because like, could that because, make anything because his, his legislation slavery. and this is you can look it up the legislation specifically says that this could make people uncomfortable or guilty make you uncomfortable or 
the past. Correct. That's why it should be talked about. It should be make you uncomfortable. Yeah, because if we if we forget about it, it's gonna happen again. It should make you uncomfortable every time you hear about racism or oppression. Absolutely, kind like that. I'm rethinking my vote because Ron DeSantis was gonna get it if he became the GOP nominee for me. Feel uncomfortable when you feel he's banned banned classes on African American history in some universities and Chinese boards. So uh, it's just to me, it's you know, people are teaching African American history. I was gonna say, uh, there were some schools, Mm -hmm. some high schools where they they canceled the um in February, they canceled some Black History Black History Month activities based on. This legislation, correct? Yeah. Correct. Let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. It, it, so, do you think that maybe he's going? Okay. So, obviously, he's going too far, right? We, I think, we can all agree that. Oh, absolutely. He, you should. Mm-hmm. That needs to be taught, right? Do you think that what what is his policy? What what is the reason behind him doing this? That's so, what I like, said. What's the what, agenda behind? Yeah, that? that's what I mean. Is does he? What does he state that it just because it's offensive? Well, that's that's what it states in the legislation that they passed through here in Florida. Yes, um, it, it makes people uncomfortable and it makes them feel responsible. And I think we're all in some way, shape, or form uncomfortable and responsible. Because that would be like that'd be the same thing as if we stopped teaching but, about the Nazis and and the Jewish people. Correct. Like, that's alive correct. today is responsible. For what happened back then, but everyone alive today is responsible for the racism that still happens in this country today. The systemic, it, correct. The systemic and we're also responsible for not continue. allowing it to happen again. Well, it, correct. It, it's still happening. Like it's, it's no, I mean, I'm talking about on a slavery level. happening per se, but racism still happens every day. Right. And and all it's systemic. Like it's. So it, how do you get rid of that though? Like, okay, so if you want education, it is, but how do you get rid of racism? I don't think race, and we've talked about this so many times over the past year that we've been doing this podcast. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of racism. And, and that's sad to say, and I hate that. You're my best, you're my brother. You know what I mean? You're obviously I mean, a black guy. Saying, no, you're not racist, but it's like. But you see what I'm saying? So, I, But I'm saying I, I don't see it ever going to be something where we're not, there's not racist people. And that that's where not that's where stupidity comes in. Play. But see, it's not about well, getting to the racist people. It's just getting everyone else to understand that their views are wrong. <laughs> just to not. Well, it to, has to, you know, we really ha- have to make it the exception to the rule. And it's actually the other way around. Right. So right. It, it, it's been, it's unfortunately been systemic. Um, since the emancipation, well, before that, obviously, because, you know, you, you go and take people from their backyard and ship them halfway across the Atlantic and then make them go to work for nothing. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's a, it's, it's systemic in neighborhoods. It's systemic in the way that we've organized societies and the way we've been continue to be divisive, continue to say, oh, those people over there, <laughs> you know. How, and- how, how much do you overstep that? Because if you think about this, like, we want to talk about how it becomes a um, a personal issue when you, of what you're teaching your kids, right? And I think we can all agree that racism starts in the home, right? So, like, if I'm, if I'm racist, my kids are probably going to end up being racist, right? So, a, but no. how do you stop? How do you stop? Go ahead. 
<laughs> I said not necessarily, but no, I mean, I was going to say in this day and age, I agree with Trisha. Not what, necessarily that that it's not. Taught. But no, no, that just because someone's racist, that their children will be racist. Because I'm not saying this every age, time. So much more exposed to people of color, like in different cultures, on an everyday scale versus back then when, like. It was white people and white people, and then it was everything was segregated. Like the black people all lived in the black side of the neighborhood, and they were away from everybody. Nobody was around. Like now, you go to public school, right. like Asian kids, black kids, right? Like Indian kids, you know what I'm saying? Right. Chinese kids. Everybody's in one building. Like regardless, if your dad's at home, always like racist, think, you know, racist that. But you go to school, and you're like, well. Tommy's Chinese and he's cool as fuck. Well, then how does mean? racism keep happening? Like, how how does it keep getting? Well, because we look at people differently, right? We look at somebody differently. We, you know, it's been white, very white empowerment over historic history, right? And so we look at people who are different than us as as not as capable or not. So we don't look at everyone as equal human beings. Which and that's where I think it needs that had to, to be start. taught. Well, and just like you said, that had to be taught, though. You said uh, it's yes, still it like that because we have people in Congress that are seventy years old that grew up in a different time that still have. Well, I don't know. We have a lot of new the people president in Congress of the United, from the South. That <laughs> the, the president, exactly. the president of the United States, is known for bumping shoulders with KKK members and and Grand Wizards. And he's also almost eighty years old. That's, so what, that's I'm what I'm saying. Yeah. But what what I'm saying is is it's still being taught. Like it's still being taught. Like you can still have a kid that that if you're ninety, I I, I don't know what the statistics are, but I would be willing to say that it's pretty high that if your dad is a ra- is racist. You're probably got some sort of racism because it had to be someone had to tell you that black guy is not as good as you. I mean, yeah, that's that's, that's not if you go to school and you I, just, well, I don't think we're going to solve this right now. But yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying you go to school and you have black people, Asian people, whatever, Jewish people, whoever. Right. These kids like my kids, for instance, they'll go to school. Some of their best friends are black. They know me and you are like brothers. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is, so they, they, I tell them like, Hey, they're no different than you. The only difference is, is the color of their skin, their religion or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Somebody's telling them that they're, that you're, you as a black man is not as good as a white man. Well, this is how we, we promote divisions, right. And, and people get powerful. So if you're not at the same you know, you're not as smart as me or at the same level or whatever. I can make an, I can make a divisiveness for you and therefore give myself more power, right? This is what Hitler did, right? Okay. He decided there was, a, a, you know, a certain type of person and they looked a certain way that they were more exceptional than other people. Which, But he made that. those other people non-people and that is still continues to this day. Which blows Where, my mind. Hitler's mother was Jewish, if I'm correct. Like, so I'm like I'm well, sure. there's there's a lot of his a background for for his situation, but it doesn't matter, right? It's a matter of no, how no, no, people, it doesn't, but it's just like it's like right. Just the it's fact how that we who isn't of like he was complaining like blonde hair, blue eyes. He himself was not. He looked more Jewish than he looked Aryan. The race that he was claiming mm-hmm. should rule correct like, like <laughs> by his own standards 
he would have been ruled out. He would have went to a like gone to a camp. Like, <laughs> I mean, again, it goes back to really educating yourself, right? Do you like he he had hundreds of thousands of people following him and doing exactly what he told them to do, and therefore there was a whole Holocaust, right? So, which people still deny, which is also insane. But it's yeah. just when you have this whole. You know, you it, it, people can be really powerful. They want someone to save them. They want someone to change their life. They want someone to give them a better situation. And if they perceive that this person is doing that, um, and that's, you know, what worried me about the past administration is that the divisiveness was rising. And it was not only rising, it was rising in an ideological manner. So it was if you were a certain type of person. So that that and not even and then those other things are not people, right? So that's when you really get into a very, very risky territory that can be very um destructive to humanity. So so just to clarify, um I looked it up. Hitler's mother, there's no evidence that she was actually Jewish, but um, there is evidence that, that paternal, his paternal grandfather, they don't know what his descent was. So it could be, but obviously in a, um, at, you know, hour long podcast, we're probably not going to solve. <laughs> <racism. laughs> no. We're not going to solve this here. Today. You know what I mean? It's just, but, but Wish we could, there's so many different problems. And I think that's one of the reasons why we can't get one thing solved is because you have this politician that's lobbying and paying attention to this issue. Then you got another politician that's paying attention to a different issue and nobody's coming together to put the issues on the table and solve them. And, and the issues yeah. that they're combating over usually are involving money. It's usually not even right. like issues at hand, like, like global warming. It's all about money. Like how can I get my shareholders the most money? Like instead yeah, of yeah, how can we yeah. lobbying needs to be like <laughs> Well, you know, I used to work, I worked on Capitol Hill for a little while in the 80s. Um, and God bless you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pretty tough place to be in. I, I assume it's much tougher now than it was then. But um, I worked on uh, labor, the Labor and Human Resource Committee. And we, of course, had political differences um, from the Republican and the Democrat side. But at the end of the day, a lot of these members got together and had dinner or had drinks or hung out in each other's offices. And I mean, there, there were certain things, you know, that they may not, you know, really move on too much, but most of the time they would come to some form of compromise and it, it was, and now I think we're seeing extremes you know, you're seeing extremes on both sides. So there's that that idea of compromise or getting together or going for drinks and talking or dinner and talking about an issue and trying to get to some kind of win-win has gone completely out the window. These guys don't do this anymore. It, I mean, that's why there's so really, many steakhouses in Washington, right? Because everybody goes out to steakhouses after work and hangs out and, you know, solves the world's problems over a ribeye, right? <laughs> it, and that's a rib, hey, hey, a ribeye will solve any problem I have right now. <laughs> I know. But that it seems so easy from the from the outside looking in. So if you're not in on Capitol Hill and you're not in Congress or you're not a politician, even on a local level, 
it, it seems so easy, like, hey, this is the, obviously the clear-cut path that's the best for the American people. Then why the hell are you arguing about it? What, well, you know what I mean? Like, we've already kind of discussed it because everybody's got their own agenda. It's, it's like crazy. Sometimes the issues at hand aren't the issues being discussed. Right. It's like, yeah. Right. It's, like, it's become the meme culture, the vanity culture. You know? in their platforms to get elected. And then when they get elected, it's like that gets thrown to the wayside or some new issue gets put up. And then the things that they talked about to get elected just get put to the wayside. I, I just wish people would realize, like we were talking about earlier, the president doesn't have as much power as you think. Because let's, let's think here. They get four years, right? And then. They're two years in. They're already worrying about the next four years, which is a problem. So the, the, that we exactly, about. they're trying to the work their half of their presidency when they should be exacting change, like making things better, building the, upon the, the previous good. administration. They spend half of that time trying to get reelected again. So, yeah. Well, yeah. they they spend a lot of time too with like once they get in office, making sure that everybody's in there, and then they have to fight with the Senate to basically confirm people, mm-hmm. and that can take months depending on. I mean, Mitch McConnell hold, held up all kinds of things, and this goes back to well, I'll, I'll, I'll round this back to your foreign policy and the situation in Russia and Ukraine. If you have a, a cabinet that's not staffed. You don't have anyone that's doing these jobs and trying to make a, a formal policy for the United States of America and its interests. So, you know, somebody's mad at somebody. So, so and so is not going to be, you know, Secretary of Defense or something. And, you know, and that's that's months where, you know, what is it called when they, when they stop progress in can- Congress? I can't remember what it's called. Where they, um, oh shit. So you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's on the tip of my head. Talking about <laughs> filibuster? Filibuster. Like a, yeah. Yeah, filibuster. Yeah, I love you. That's when, well, a filibuster <laughs> is like when you stand up. So like when they're having like a hearing or whatever and they're, somebody will just stand up there and talk. That's what I'm saying. They're stopping progress. To, to ruin the whole, because they have progress. so much time. Right. So they'll stand yeah. up there and talk until there's no more time left. Yeah. So yeah, and, and, and they they're not limited on their individual time, though, are they? No, not, I don't think so. See, not in that situation. See, that's what I'm talking. That, that's what I'm talking about. It's well, again, so they were trying to, to get rid of that, and they just yeah, can't agree just, on anything. It seems so clear to me that that is the best way to do it. Limit your time. Give them ten minutes. Stop filibustering, or whatever it's called. Filibuster. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Stop doing that. You, know so I mean? you guys are great. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that we should even have. I, I I would be even venture to say that we are beyond the point of needing an actual sitting president. And say that say, again. Yeah. What's the What's the purpose of the president if he doesn't have much power? I mean, he does have power. Not as much. Not as much as people think. Well, lawmaking. He, but maybe he does. We're, Maybe we're at a point in the in, in where it's time to to rethink the the structure of our our Congress and our I'm sorry our government. Let's see what Trisha. What were you going to say? Well, you know, I I think there's all that that's a very um, important discussion to be had in a democratic society. Um, but we have to remember we're a democracy and that means that we have to listen to each other and that gets messy. And that's why sometimes you have to put your emotions at the door and really get your, your spidey senses, your critical thinking skills out. So you'll listen to somebody who has totally different, um, viewpoints than you do. But 
in the end, you're, you're working towards what's, what's best for people. Um, and you need to listen to the other person instead of, um, not letting them talk or preventing them from speaking. But, uh, you know, the president has a very important position and the president needs to set the trajectory of American policy, particularly foreign policy. And that is run by every cabinet member and every agency that we have where he is also responsible for staffing and making sure he has a cabinet that can work with him to fill um that that trajectory of where he would like the country to go and the interest but i think what we're having a problem here is that we have two extremes that want the country to go in different ways now i i I think if you you look you look towards the middle both sides have very valid concerns um you know you have to take care of people to have a vibrant society how do you take care of people? This is the discussion that needs to be had. We don't need unhealthy people. We need people to be healthy and part of society. So that means healthcare. So how do we do that for people? We need the U.S. to be powerful in the world. We, you know, we have a military, but that military had a lot of problems in Afghanistan and Iraq. So what do we need to do to complement that power and close some of those gaps where we had problems? So these are discussions that our leadership needs to have, and they're not having them because they're talking about their, you know, the president gives the State of the Union and someone yells in the background. I mean, I think that's, first of all, very unprofessional, second of all, childish. So, I mean, this is not what we need in leadership. We need somebody to say, okay, let me listen. And now how can I add value and how can I make life better without giving up my own kind of expectations from my constituencies. I, I think respect has gone out the window for, for someone that holds office. So, oh, so it there's sure a famous story of a um, undersecretary. I'm not sure what exactly cabinet he was part of or anything like that, but his, his story is it basically goes that he went to a conference as the undersecretary and they brought him a cup of coffee and a steel mug or a ceramic mug. They gave him the coffee. It was warm. It was made perfectly for him. And then after they left, after after he lost that position or he, he resigned or whatever the case may be, he went back several years later to that same conference and he said, hey, can I get a cup of coffee? They said, yeah, the coffee machine's over there. Here's a styrofoam cup. Get your own coffee, right? He realized that that coffee, mm-hmm. that ceramic cup was not for him. It was respect for his position. And I think that's the problem is they don't respect each other's position. Right. I think that's a good story. It also keeps someone humble, right? Right. So someone who, who takes power also needs to be humble. And that's right. another thing. Like, how do you manage your power, right? Is it good or for evil? <laughs> Isn't that the right. famous, you know, quote? Yep. So we we have to turn to good here and and you know, stop scaring each other, stop being afraid of each other, stop making everyone a boogeyman and try to figure out how we need to move forward and how we need to get together as a country and a nation to make ourselves stronger. Right. You, and from what I understand, you also hold an MBA in finance. Is that correct? I do. Okay. So what I want to get your opinion on the current situation of the economy. Like, where do you, are? 
I see you cringing. And for those of you that are watching, <laughs> saw that saw that little shoulder shrug. <laughs> I think it's a scary time for the economy as well. And and I think we saw that last week or the was it the week before when those three banks failed. Where do where do you see the economy going? I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I you know, I'm not a practicing MBA because I do a lot of foreign policy advisory now. So but I will say this, um, that I you know, I, I think this is a result of um legislation and we're we're not again we're we're doing these shiny little things that are going on that are very ideological you know religion uh, what do you believe in what color is your skin all this kind of stopping banning books instead of um asking ourselves why we're not regulating banks the way we used to i mean dodd frank right now are probably shaking in their boots because they put all these regulations in place that have been uh, removed, and that was under the Trump administration. <laughs> no offense. Also, you know You're, the, the federal. It's not, the, it's not offensive at all to me because Trump. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not trying to blame one re- administration or the other. I think people really need to think about what these, how they are helping our societies, and are they truly working for the people? Right. And I think sometimes the answer to that is no. I love your your um your example of the shiny thing over here because I've always said that, and I don't know if you've ever heard me say this, but people are like bass, like fish, right? When you're fishing, you throw a lure in and it shines. Yeah. So the fish goes to that, yeah. and then they see something shiny over here, so they go to that. It's a distraction. Yeah, it's That's a distraction it from what's actually happening, or yeah, right. or what they don't like. They give you the shiny distraction, and that's. Mm-hmm. An, a part of why I feel like the news is always negative. It's like, it's always something that grabs your attention to keep attention away from what's really going on. It's like how they pass laws. Like, and it'll happen like over the overnight on a weekend and, and it'll be something most American people would have been against, you know what I mean? But while that was happening, like there was like a school shooting. I mean, I hate to say something so drastic, but it's like, Something like that that will One grab everyone's today, that will grab everyone's attention. So, Trisha, yeah, I know it's we've, just, taken I mean, up, we've taken up quite a bit of your time, but I, I want to know: Are you buying gold and silver? <laughs> uh, I, no, I'm not. <laughs> not yet. I'm trying not yet. to be very conservative right now to kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of brace myself for how these these hiking and interest rates are kind of shaking up the banking community right now because now they have to. And and again, you know, I'm going to go back to our leaders are not doing their job. They're just not doing their job to help people protect themselves and understand how they need to protect themselves. I I mean, I do think the the Biden administration did a really, a, a really quick move with the Silicon Valley bank. Um, the bank was not regulated. They weren't watching. They weren't under the regulation. So it should be their own problem. But I think that they did the right thing because people would have panicked. He and just I didn't want to because I was telling him this. Um, he, he we don't want to see table. people panic. I want everybody, everybody to know that Geo just flipped me off under the table because I'm right. The Silicon Valley <laughs> Bank CEO specifically said, all the checks and balances are done internally, not by outside sources. That's, That's a right. problem. That's, That's a problem. problem. 
and the story for me, bro. They were allowed to operate unregulated. Correct. Yeah. You we but SVB when that went under Silicon Valley Bank isn't like an everyday bank that normal people No, but to. they have like what was it like seven point three trillion dollars in assets? Yeah, but th- I'm not saying but they lost ninety billion dollars or something. Exactly. Like so yeah. it's not that relevant. Be a but that's shit that if we could get that into the government budget, we wouldn't have this big deficit that we're paying off every <laughs> every yeah, we week. Spend, right? We spend that what their total assets are. We spend in like a quarter. You know what I mean? Now nowadays, because they just print money like crazy. But Patricia, I I I don't want to take up much more of your time. You okay. this has been amazing. Thank uh, you. I, I really would like to get you back on in a few months, um, if you'd be willing. I'd love it. Awesome. Okay. Hopefully, um, at that point, you know, the economy's not crashed and we can still afford to <laughs> still afford to do this podcast. So. Hopefully we're not a we can stop this war and some of these yeah. conflicts, which is also really affecting the economy, by the way. So that's a, that's another huge issue. One hundred percent agree yeah. with you. So, hey, um, what I'll do is if you don't mind, if you could send me over, um, or actually, I want to ask you, how can anybody that has questions for you or anything like that, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, I have a website. It's patriciadegenera.com. And you can send an email there to me and I, I, I'll get it right in my inbox. Okay, great. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll plug that in in the uh, show notes for everybody out there. Um, Gio, do you have any, any final thoughts or anything you want to say? <laughs> probably a lot but say yeah that would just continue the podcast but i mean i don't know just collectively like just need to work together to work to fix the problems at hand don't always let money be the the guiding factor in decisions that are made especially in politics get they, people they're, thinking <laughs> they're all elected officials and they're supposed to work for their constituents not for themselves it's not about getting reelected, even if I feel like it's more important to do one term right than to do several terms wrong. Right. And, I, and yeah, I'll tell worth, you. Again, if, it's worth a discussion and we should have right. a, a serious discussion about that for sure. Yep. If if two fat guys that do a podcast know this stuff, I mean, you guys should know it too. So, <laughs> um, but it's been great, Trisha. We definitely appreciate you. And um, I'll, I'll definitely be in touch with uh, getting you back on the show. Okay. Thanks okay, for coming. Okay, great. Look forward to it. Thanks All right, you have a good me. evening. Thank you. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye.